An investigation into the Phoenix Suns and Mercury Ownership Group has concluded, and the results have been released as of this afternoon. We have our Mercury Beat reporter, Hayden Silly here to break down what came from the NBA and WNBA's investigation and what it means for the Mercury organization moving forward. This is the Locked On Women's Basketball Podcast. Let's go. Are Locked On Women's Basketball, your daily podcast on women's basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, hello, everyone, and welcome. It is Tuesday, September 13th, and you are listening to the Locked On Women's Basketball Podcast. This is your host for the day, Alex Simon from Bay Area News Group, stepping in for Howard Megdal on this Tuesday. But more importantly to our discussion today, a former Phoenix Mercury beat writer at the next, I have the current Phoenix beat writer at the next, Hayden Silly here. Before I ask you some questions, Hayden, I first want to thank everyone for joining us today and making the Lockdown Women's Basketball Podcast your first listen every day. Please don't forget, the Lockdown Women's Basketball Podcast is free and available on all platforms, and the video from each day is available on YouTube. And boy, oh boy, would it be an interesting day today to uh, be on the ground in Phoenix, Hayden. I think it is a bombshell investigation has concluded. It was a bombshell really more when ESPN's Baxter Holmes dropped that there was a significant amount of racism and misogyny allegations into Phoenix Suns and Mercury owner Robert Sarver back in November of 2021. And there is a whole timeline we can get into, but that investigation has concluded today. And Hayden, just what are your initial reactions to kind of a lot of what was in the initial report from ESPN's Holmes kind of proving to be valid and true? I, I hate to say it, but I'm, I'm not totally surprised. Uh, like we talked about before, before we went on live, uh, when you read that initial report by Baxter Holmes, I think it was roughly like seventy-two hundred words. It was it was about a it was about a fifteen-minute read. Um, so much of that information in there regarding the anonymous sources, it was so in my mind, it was so specific not to be true. Like, I mean, there were instances, um, like for example, when he talked about uh, when Baxter Holmes put in his article about. Um, the employee in 2008 uh, that says she couldn't continue her role while being pregnant because, quote unquote, a baby needs her mom, not her father, along with remarks about breastfeeding. It's just like, you, you know, I, I know I, I know I'm not you know, I don't have too much experience on my side, but, you know, like there's you you just you don't say things like that. You, you really don't. And, and that is one of the instances of what was called by the NBA in their key findings that they put out, inequitable conduct towards female employees. He also, Sarver, made many sex-related comments in the workplace. He made inappropriate comments about the physical appearance of female employees and other women, and on several occasions engaged in inappropriate physical conduct toward male employees. He also, on at least five occasions, repeated a racist term towards black that is usually used towards black people when recounting the statement of others it does make clear uh but at several points he apparently was told that that was not something he should do and he continued to do it over years he also engaged in demeaning and harsh treatment of employees including by yelling and cursing at him it is a very thorough investigation even the investigation itself is about 
30 pages long before there are several pages of Sarver's uh, legal representation kind of putting their own facts into the big document that was sent out about the full investigation. And it's frankly, you know, there's a lot of background that you can get into about Robert Sarver. I do think, though, the fact that this is treatment that's done towards female employees it does not appear by most instances to have necessarily been towards basketball players. But I have to imagine if you're a Mercury player, you are a female employee of this person for the female or just a non-man employee. And I, I can't imagine what those players are thinking right now, frankly. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm right there with you. I, and, and it's, it's a shame because the WNBA is one of the most diverse, like diverse, like group of athletes basically in the world. Um, there is a uh, there is a piece that um, actually I literally just got done uh, typing uh, shameless plug real quick. You can check it out on the nexthoops.com. Um, but it basically it, it talked about how basically how like Robert Sarver would like like you said act towards act towards players and whatnot, and then um, or I, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> it's been yeah. that kind of day, but. Um, but I mean, but the league, according to a 2021 study, uh, it's about 75% black women. And how, as an owner, how are you not even trying to relate, but let alone get along with the players, you know, the players that that you want to be there, because we all, a lot of us know that Robert Sarver is a very hands-on owner. He likes to have his sort of seal of approval on things. Like how with these racist and misogynistic remarks, do you expect to bring in players. I mean, especially given the context of the Phoenix Mercury season, we don't know where Skylar Diggins Smith is going. You know, we don't know if Diana Taurasi is going to retire. And most importantly, we still don't know what's going to happen with Brittany Griner. And like, how do you expect as a franchise to move forward in a positive direction when you have an owner at the helm that is notorious for making comments like these? I mean, like if I was a player, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to come to Phoenix. I wouldn't want to play for someone like that. And Phoenix has put out a statement, the Mercury tweeting this out earlier this afternoon. I will make note before we read today's statement that Baxter Holmes's report came in November and actually everybody in the world was tipped off to this in October after a tweet kind of about an investigation was happening or that a story was going to publish the Mercury Suns organization all tweeted out from their various accounts, basically slandering Holmes and kind of saying that like his reporting is going to be false and that he uh, has a completely baseless claims against the organization. Mind you, this again, this came forth in October before Holmes's article dropped in November. And now today we get a statement from the Sun slash Mercury that basically says, you know, the NBA's findings concerning the organization focus for the most part on historical matters that have been addressed in recent years, including thorough, meaningful enhancements to our workplace compliance program. However, they did acknowledge and that they fully cooperated with everything. In addition, as I kind of read through this statement to kind of pick out the bullet points, Robert Sarver is also taking responsibility for his actions. He recognizes that at times during his 18 years of ownerships, he did not conduct, his conduct did not reflect his or the son's value and was inconsistent with the advancements the management team has taken with Robert's full support. It It is seeming that they are accepting kind of what has come forth and that there won't be any challenges. I will make note, ESPN's Baxter Holmes and Adrian Wojnarowski did report today that it did not seem like Server was even willing to accept any punishment at all and didn't understand why he was punished. So it, 
it certainly has been one of the most trying and traumatic seasons I think any team could possibly go through in Phoenix. And honestly, more so for off-court things than for on-court things. And this is just maybe the the ultimate cherry on top of all of that, you would say. Yeah. Just just when you think it couldn't get worse, like th- think again. I mean, uh, yeah, we, we, we go through everything. We go through, obviously... Brittany Griner being wrongfully detained in Russia. And then, you know, conflicts within the team during the season, most notably between Skylar Diggins-Smith and head coach Vanessa Nygaard. Um, a plethora of injuries. Um, you squeeze by into the eight seed and you get walloped by Las Vegas. Granted, I, to be perfectly honest, they didn't really stand a chance because they were playing without, you know, without their two, with, without their two best, you know, backcourt yeah. players. Without the five Olympians that they thought they would have. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And, you know, so much of the off-the-court stuff, you know, I we've had so many players that I've gotten the privilege to speak to that have just been so resilient in this. And it just – I don't know what you do if you're a player. I mean, like, could it get any more worse than this? I mean, but, but then again, this also poses the question, like, how like how long have the players known about this for have the players dealt with this personally i will want to come back to that point in particular but before we do that first i want to talk to you about bet online where you could have if you wanted to have placed a bet on the mercury to win the wmba title this season though you would not win that bet if you have though because bet online has some wonderful odds on wmba games and on the wmba season at large and have had so for the entirety of this basketball season, you could be hopefully sitting on an aces to win the finals ticket or a sun to win the finals ticket and looking really sharp right now. It's Tuesday. We're talking in the afternoon, West coast time. We got game two coming tonight. Currently the Vegas aces are a four and a half point favorite over the sun for game two. If you think, Hey, that doesn't seem like enough. I think the aces are going to win by a lot. You should head over to betonline.net. To place the action, you've got all your WNBA stuff. You've got baseball playoffs, college football, NFL. The NBA is coming back. BetOnline has you covered all season for every season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. And folks, you know, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, which NBA player moves the betting line the most this season? Locked On and the Bet Online's Odds Bakers are presenting the NBA Top 50 Most Valuable Players starting on September 19th. You can find it on Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube to figure out which player you might think will be the best player in the NBA in this forthcoming season. Locked On NBA and Bet Online starting on Monday, September 19th. One of the players who undoubtedly would be considered one of the best players of all time in the WNBA is Diana Taurasi, who just wrapped up what was, I believe, her 19th season in terms of her WNBA career. She hasn't played a ton in every season. She actually skipped one of those entirely. But she was drafted, interestingly enough, by the Phoenix Mercury in 2004, just a few months before Robert Sauber officially took over ownership of the organization in July of 2004. So technically Diana is truly one of the players who predates Robert Sarver, the only one in fact, in the entire organization. And so you, you do have to wonder for somebody who's been tied to this organization for so long with Diana, it would be fascinating to kind of hear from her at this point. You can also point out Jim Pittman, the general manager of the Mercury, who also does a ton on the finance side for the entire organization. He's been with the 
organization, not just the Mercury, but with the Suns. Mercury, he was even the president of the arena football team, the Rattlers, when Sarver owned them. He's been with the organization for 30 years. So these, there are people around the Mercury who are very close to what the Mercury do on a daily basis that have been around that you would wonder what things are here, what things do they see? And I just would love to have their words come out at this point just to say, like, this is what I found. And uh, I would have to imagine, you know, it's tough to know exactly when they will speak again, just because of the way that media availability is in the offseason. But I imagine you're very curious about that, too, Hayden. Absolutely. I mean, perspective is key, just just with anything. And I mean, like you said, I mean, Diana Taurasi, she's the only player within that organization that has been there before before Robert Sarver was even brought on as a majority owner. Like, you know, she was there sort of like, you know, when Jerry Colangelo, you know, the former owner of both the Suns and the Mercury was sort of handing the reins over to Sarver. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would be curious, though, to see like either her response as well as Pittman's response, because like you said, um, I think Pittman's might prove a little bit more useful just because he he was there for years before Sarver's ownership took over, so it, not not to discredit DT at all, but like but he might have more perspective because he's just he's been with the organization like for longer. But I mean, I other than those two, I don't really know who else you could really go to. I mean, and I, I'll be honest, when I was reporting last season about the Mercury's arena troubles that they were having, they played their first playoff game last year over at Grand Canyon because of a conflict going on in the downtown arena. They then played a semifinal game at ASU. They had had years of this and Brittany Griner quite kind of bluntly and frankly kind of bashed the organization for it and said like, you know, with an expletive that I'm not going to repeat here, but that the Suns wouldn't be forced to play a playoff game at GCU. And so you, you wonder if those feelings kind of were there. I did talk to Diana about it. That piece can kind of be, uh, looked up very easily with just Phoenix Mercury, Alex Simon arena issues in that regard. Uh, I don't know if you need that in that regard part, but I think the part that makes it a little, the part that really hits me the wrong way out of everything is how looking at the response from Sarver's legal representation, uh, where it would appear that the David Anders, who is part of the law group, Watchell, Lipton, Rosen and Katz, this is the, paperwork at the bottom, the appendix to the 36-page investigation, where uh, Anders writes on behalf of Robert Sarver. uh, And one of the first things that he says, the second paragraph in this, after saying that the claims are demonstrably false, which is an interesting thing to have written on June 20th when this letter is dated. But it says, Robert Sarver's commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion is part of his DNA. Although he's best known for his position with the Suns, Mr. Sarver is one of the few NBA owners who continues to support and advance the development of women's basketball. He recently invested, excuse me, women's professional basketball. And here's the line that really grinds my gears. He recently invested $7 million to provide the Phoenix Mercury with a state-of-the-art training and practice facility. The world-class center includes cutting-edge technology and exercise capabilities and employs three full-time chefs to cater to the players' dietary and nutritional needs. Uh, Hayden, I don't know about you, but um, I've been to that practice facility quite a bit. I think you've probably been there all season. Do you happen to remember what the logos are on the two courts that they have at this apparent Phoenix Mercury practice facility? Gosh, Alex, uh, let, let, let me get back to you with that. 
No, yeah, no, it's it's Phoenix Suns logos. One on of both, them is the on is both the, courts. One of them, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, is the Flaming Suns basketball logo, uh, and the other one is the words Suns kind of brought across the uh, court there. But uh, to to frame the idea that the training facility was provided for the Mercury is laughable, and is just. Mm-hmm. Adding more fuel to the fire, frankly, for people who are pissed off that have for years wondered how committed Robert Sarver is to the Mercury to then kind of say, oh, yeah, when we all can kind of see and understand, like a lot of that facility is not oriented to the Mercury. There's plenty that they benefit from, but it's not as if, you know, you walk in. It's not the Mercury logo that's superimposed and lights that you see at night that they turn on when you're driving down 44th Street. That's the Suns logo. It's not a Mercury practice facility in that regard. And that, to me, is absurd of him to frame it out. I mean, there's a – it's you you know what, Alex? It's so interesting because when when you talk about how how Robert Sarver is, you know, how in in that document his legal team basically says, you know, he supports – I say that term sort of very, very loosely, supports, um, like, you know, women's players and everything like that. Um, here's, here's what I think is really, 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 really crazy. Um, you know how I talked about how Sarver was very hands-on. He was very hands-on in the hiring of Vanessa Nygaard. Um, like, like Jim Pittman and Mercury president Vince Kozar both went to him and are like, Hey, this is what we're looking at. And, you know, he, it's always, it always ends with him. It's always about sort of how can he make himself look better how can he make himself look great you know I I think sometimes you know we're totally you know he might disregard the 31 replacement contracts that Jim Pittman signed throughout this uh throughout the 2022 Phoenix Mercury season and they still made the playoffs you know they had four Olympians that were either not with the team or injured when they went to the playoffs and you know I'm sorry I, I may not know too much but if there's one thing I know it's this it's that ownership does not completely make those decisions. Those decisions come at the head of the GM as well as some collaboration from the team president most of the time. And like, like you said, I think it's laughable that Sarver's team would even try and even think about, you know, having him take credit for, you know, for helping the Mercury when, you know, there well, was no help to begin with. Yeah, the idea that it's to provide the Phoenix Mercury and kind of completely ignores the idea that actually the facility is not for the Mercury, it's for the Suns, it's Suns insignia, it's Sun branding everywhere. There's some of the Mercury, don't get me wrong, it's not entirely devoid of it, but like, I just kind of, you know, we know the deal here, we can see this. And, you know, Sarver was at several of the WNBA playoff games in the 2021 run. He was actually at ASU. I can vividly remember him sitting there. He was sitting about three rows in front of me where my press seat was at the WNBA finals in Chicago when the Mercury were in Chicago. So he's been around before. I do just wonder, you know, all of that happened. And because of the way the schedule has worked, if the suspension is to start today, it would mean that his suspension is kind of coming up 
because this season is a weird WNBA schedule, we're finishing the finals in mid-September here because of the World Cup. But most WNBA seasons, this would be around when the regular season is ending. So the first public appearance he could theoretically make as an owner again is actually at a WNBA game next season, not at an NBA game. And I do wonder, depending on how the Mercury are doing next season, depending on where they are, you know, how that framing works, because it was, you know, mid-October when the season ended in 2021. And it was only like a week or so after that, that we had the tweet and then the kind of outlandish statement made by Phoenix bashing the reporting before the reporting was even done. And that reporting from Baxter Holmes at ESPN has turned out to be pretty thoroughly accurate in that regard. And now there's a little bit of a tail between the legs effect happening in Phoenix, I must say. Yeah. And I think the craziest part about everything, and I mean, everything that we have touched about has been this, you know, Donald Sterling of the Los Angeles Clippers did, I'm not going to say something very similar, but it's along the same lines that, that Sarber is walking on. And the NBA gave him the boot. They said, they said, they said, we will make you sell the team. And, you know, obviously it's not that, it's not that easy to do. But there's, a, uh, there's an example I want to give when it comes to the WNBA, and this would be in 2020, um, where the Atlanta Dreams owner, who's actually a senator of Georgia. Um, uh, or, Kelly Leffler was a Senate candidate. Yes, Leff- or, sorry, Sen- Sen- Senate candidate. candidate. Yes. Um, Kelly, how, how, how do you say your last name again? Leffler. Okay. Uh, so Kelly Loeffler, um, she made critical remarks about um, the Black Lives Matter movement uh, as as she was pursuing um, a term as U.S. Senator for Georgia. And literally, like her own team, her own team banded together, opposed her publicly, and they actually wanted to work for who she was running against in now Senator uh, Raphael uh, Warnock. And they actually helped him to defeat her. And then literally about a few months after Loeffler sold the dream to a group, um, you know, that included former Atlanta dream player, Renee Montgomery, you know, there is precedent for player advocacy causing issues. And notably, I will say when we bring up the Donald Serling thing, the one biggest difference that it would appear to be between that case and this one, there's actually two. One is that, a lot of Sterling's remarks were caught on tape and there was very visual, visual in this case, audio, but there was evidence that could be heard that was known. It was him that basically said, this is it. And kind of became airtight in a legal sense. It does not appear at this time that that is the case in this instance, which could lead to litigation issues. If that were to ever get down that road, there is one connection that I do find interesting, though, is that that happened in season. In fact, it happened in the NBA playoffs when the Sterling news dropped. It was in the middle of a big series between the Golden State Warriors and Sterling's Los Angeles Clippers. And there was threats of boycotts that the players may not have played at all in that game. Instead, the players on those teams before a game after this news dropped decided to not wear NBA insignia warm-up shirts and wore kind of just black T-shirts as their show of kind of show against Sterling. There is one kind of comparison, very interesting through line here, which was that the key face of that franchise in L.A. for the Clippers at that time on the court is now currently a Phoenix Sun in Chris Paul. Chris Paul, who, by the way, did win the inaugural, the first ever Kobe and Gigi Bryant WNBA Advocacy Award. So it will be very interesting to me 
to look ahead and see how Chris Paul himself, given all of the myriad ways he's involved in a variety of steps with this, kind of comes out and speaks of this. Um, and frankly, I'm very curious because of his ties to the WNBA in that regard, given that he is a WNBA advocacy award winner. Will he advocate for the women in the organization, whether they're women's basketball players or not, will be something that I find very interesting to see. Um, going forward, I think the biggest thing to point out is that Sarver will still be the owner of the team. He is suspended for a year, but he is not, as of this time, forced to sell or has implied or kind of intimated that he is planning on selling. Hayden, how, how much of an impact could you see that having for the Mercury going forward? You know what? Um, this might turn some heads. I don't think it's going to be much. I, I really don't. As a matter of fact, I actually think it might be better because there's going to be less of a pressure in, in my in my personal opinion. I think there's going to be less of a pressure for who Robert Sarver wants as opposed to what I think, you know, might be best for the team. Because look, and I know I know that this is a, you know, strictly WNBA, but Sarver has had a history of failed moves in the NBA like, for example, not re-signing Joe Johnson on the Phoenix Suns, who, you know, for the next five seasons made the all-star team, trading away all-stars and, you know, defensive juggernauts, if, you know, if you want to use that term, for, you know, Luol Deng and Rajon Rondo on draft night. So his influence, I would say, is pretty lackluster, in my opinion. Um, and I, I think with the Mercury Jim Pittman is just, he's going to be able not to do what he wants, but, you know, he, there isn't going to be, he's not going to have someone hovering over his shoulder at all times when making moves. Same thing with Vince Kozar. I think the two of them, not to say that they're going to bring in the best free agents, you know, you know, of this year, but I think there's going to be less of a pressure for them to do what Sarver wants specifically as opposed to actually doing what the team needs and getting players and potential assistant coaches, whatever the case may be, getting those assets that the team will actually need, as opposed to just what Sarver wants. And it will be very intriguing to see. I tend to agree, but for a very different reason, where if people think this would impact how likely people are to go to phoenix in free agency or if they're not a destination for coaching i will just point out that this is a very limited workspace that we see for players there are a maximum of 144 jobs available in the wmba the nba is still only a 30 team league you can have you know 17 18 guys on a roster but there are not many of these jobs and there's a lot of people who are really interested in them and so i don't necessarily think this is going to impact the ability of the Mercury to put out a roster, but I certainly wonder what long-lasting impact this has, especially for what damning ways in which this speaks upon the whole organization, not just on a single man. And the organizational issues that are in Phoenix are the things that I think will become more and more interesting going forward. And frankly, it's part of why I don't think this story is over, because if the NBA is proving that a lot of the things that have been said are true, but that they aren't kind of punishing the owner for more than a year after the precedent had previously been sent about a banishment. I do wonder if there's going to be a lot of people that call it out. I, this will continue to be a developing story. 
Hayden, you will be on top of it, I'm sure, as it continues to develop. Thank you for joining us on such short notice today here on Tuesday and, and for putting out the piece. Where can the people find that piece that you wrote and your work here? Uh, they can find my work at thenexthoops.com slash Hayden Silly. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter uh, right below my name here, um, just at Hayden Silly. Uh, super easy, first, last name, you know. It's, I will say it's, I, I, I think I put out good content. I hope so. You know, if you, I'll say this, you'll be entertained. That's all that we're living for, man. Just some entertainment. <laughs> you can go ahead and follow me at Alex Simon sports on Twitter. Uh, all of my work that I do at Bay area news group, head over to mercurynews.com If you want to see anything that I am helping put out, thank you all for joining us on this Tuesday. We hope you enjoy tonight's game two of the WNBA finals. We'll be back tomorrow Probably, actually, I think I could tell you we might be back a little later tonight if you're willing to stay up late on the West Coast to listen to our Game 2 Reaction Podcast. You might hear a familiar voice on there. We'll have to see. Take care, everyone. <laughs>